May I help you, sir? How much for an order of ribs? Uh, two fifty. Two fifty. How many ribs do I get with that? Uh, about five. Five. So I guess that's about fifty cents a rib, huh? Yeah, about. Let me get one. Right on. One order. One order of ribs. No, 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 no. One rib. One rib. I sure am hungry. Uh, make that one rib to go. One rib? One rib. What else? You got any soda? One dollar. Oh, come on now. Look out for a brother, man. Come on. Hey, check this out. Why don't you let me get a sip for 15 cents? My cups cost more than 15 cents. All right, f cup. Pour it in my hand for a dime. Look, you greasy-headed Jerry Curl Wan. Pay me and get the hell out of my store. You got change for a hundred? Look, we're gonna need an orthopedic surgeon to remove my foot from your ass. Hammer, hammer. No, brother, don't do it. got to this uh, intersection. I had to walk past pimps, prostitutes, walk through, literally walk through a graveyard, get to this intersection, six lane intersection, and there was a man standing there saying, will someone help me cross? Will someone help me cross? And there were all these people that kept passing by him and passing by him. I said, I'll help you cross. So he told me he was going to my school and he was gonna sell candy there. That's how he made his living. So I helped him cross the street to get there. We became good friends. His name was Mr. Butler. That moment reminded me of my mother bringing her out of, laugh, out of pain into laughter to help her cross. My first 10 movies were all about her subconsciously, wanting her to know that she was worthy, wanting black women to know you're worthy, you're special, you're powerful, you're amazing. All of that was about helping her cross when I started. Thank you for joining me. This is the Zero to 100 podcast. Once again, I am your host, William C. Walker Jr. Apologies. Um, I know I said I was going to be back on track after uh, last week's episode, which we were. So this week posted a little bit later than I wanted to, but that was because over the weekend I went to a family reunion for my wife's family, which was great down in um, Virginia. So that was really fun and nice, but uh, also got back really late. So I didn't get a chance to post this episode as soon as I wanted to. Got a full, full episode here for you. Um, I actually have 
three great guests, um, even though these conversations took place at different times. But this episode, episode 18, is about black business, you could say, um, the support for it or the lack thereof, or even the expectations that we put upon it or how some people don't view it as valuable as we should or we try to take advantage of it. And a lot went on uh, the past week. So I had a conversation with my brother, Ricky, who is the host of his own podcast, F Living Rich and Dying Broke, uh, which focuses on finances. And then I have another frequent guest, which is my friend, Christina, who um, we who I've had on here. I think this is probably her fourth time on. And uh, she's the one that actually even gave me the idea for the episode. Like a lot of episodes, she gives me good ideas for. And so I was appreciative of it. And I really wanted to have her on anyway, just because I enjoy talking to her. So the episode again itself is about like business is something that we hear a lot of. There is a lot of stereotypes, I would say, some that are founded, some that are unfounded when it comes to black business and the support it gets or the lack thereof. And I found like the timing of me posting or even the timing when we were having a conversation to be good because it wasn't too long ago where you had um, the BET Awards and Tyler Perry had received this uh, icon award and his speech was really good. It was only about four and a half to five minutes long, but it was really powerful. It was really good. And I've stated in like a previous episode, like when I was talking about Jordan Peele's Us, how I'm not a huge fan of Tyler Perry's movies. I'm not, not because I don't think they're like, I don't think they're horrible or anything. Like my favorite uh, Tyler Perry movie that I think he did was Daddy's Little Girl starring uh, Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union. But um, it's just, they, they, he repeats the same formula and it's like, because it's so repetitive, I don't think it's as entertaining. And it's also, I look at it sometimes, it seems a little coonish at times. So um, that's why I'm not a huge fan of it, but I am a huge fan of his success and I'm like really happy for him and I'm glad he's still like he started with nothing and he just used his talent to do plays and then parlay that into making movies and now I think he's close to a billionaire I think I don't know don't quote me on that but I'm very happy for his success and I'm happy for whenever I see my people succeed and so the conversations that I had with um, with Ricky and Christina, we really pretty much focus on that. We, we get dip into some other subjects as well. But also in this episode, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I did an episode on reparations, I had a really great guest, uh, Saquon author, Saquon Gullet, And we had a, a good conversation. And the last part of it was actually about his book that he wrote uh, called Sale City. And um, I thought it was good to include the rest of that conversation with this episode where we're talking about supporting black people and supporting black business and black endeavors. And um, I thought it was good to include it, just one to also promote his book, which is doing well. And just to talk about, just to show another example of a black endeavor, like this podcast is not, for me, it's not centered on per se, 
the black community, but I'm a part of the black community. So a lot of the things that I'm fired up about and a lot of the things that move me are tied within that. And I'm not, a, you know, shirking or trying to alienate other people. I feel like that's one of the things that we seem to fail to realize is that when you have good conversations or you have good topics, even though it might be centered within one type of group, it doesn't mean that other people can't get anything from it or, um, you know, have their own feelings that can kind of relate to it or their own thoughts or opinions on things. And so I don't want people to feel like just because a lot of these topics at times center around the black experience or things that impact the black community, it's still good. Um, you know, the episode I did where we did the Disney debate, that's for everybody. And the, these conversations are for everybody. So those that are supporting me, I really appreciate it. And I just hope you guys continue. Please let me know what you think of each episode. Let me get your feedback. Uh, you, again, you can reach me at 0to100pod at gmail.com. So it's 0to100pod at gmail.com also you can follow me on twitter at wcw poet so we have a full episode here and i'm going to jump right into the conversation i have with ricky and christina and then again that's going to be followed by um saquon there was another thing that was there was actually two subjects that were trending that um you know over twitter over the weekend that i wanted to touch on at the end of the episode as well um that ties into this conversation of black business and the support or the lack thereof as well. And um, part, part of the reason why I included the opening clip, which was from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, which was uh, Chris Rock haggling with uh, Isaac Hayes' character over the price of ribs and soda, is because that's also part of what ties into what uh, we discuss in this conversation. And um, it's you know it's also you could say part of what the issue is that black people or people who own black businesses have to deal with where you have people that feel the need that you can't accept things the way it is but we we discuss it so uh, i'm not going to give away all the details of our conversation but i thought it was a good clip to include to open up this episode about black business so thank you for the support and here we go this is a zero to 100 podcast episode 18 zero to 100 podcast and i'd like to welcome my two guests the host of the podcast f living rich and dying broke you've heard them before this is my brother ricky what's up hey what's going on and my other frequent a frequent guest who is christina and she has her own photography business which is chris hill photos and you can uh find her also on instagram at Chris underscore Hill underscore photos. So it's C-H-R-I-S underscore H-I-L-L underscore photos, P-H-O-T-O-S. What's up, Chris? Hey, hey. So once again, Christina, you were coming through for me. You came up with a really good topic for me to discuss, and it was something that I feel like is um, – it's a good topic, and it also is something I actually was recently talking about with my wife when we were out shopping and stuff, and that is black business, and to be more specific, like, 
why is it that our people don't support black business or like, you know, well, there's other tangents to it, like, you know, that I'm going to discuss with you guys. But so just to get things started, to ask you guys, do you feel like black people support black business or is this like a myth? And it's like we do support it and people just don't realize it. Um, I'll let, I'll let you answer first. <laughs> um, define support. I find it that, um, you know, I, 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 especially when it's like family and friends, it's like they automatically, you know, want to ask for um, a discount or like free services and stuff like that. You know, a stranger came up to me, they, they would not ask me for a discount or um you know, or for free services, I feel like sometimes our own internal people, I mean, like, it's a hard question. I, I, for me, I can't say it's a yes or a no. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think in some ways we do, and in some ways we don't. And the ways that we don't is that we just assume that because we know somebody, they're going to give us the services for free or for a discount. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, I'm like, no, like, I, I'll come to you and be like, okay, I'll do this for you for free, whatever, you know, for, for trade of something else. But you don't come to me asking me, oh, hey, can you do my photo shoot for free? If that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would, I don't know if I want to say it's a mess or what have you, but <clears throat> I, I know the one thing that bothers me is, um, and I'm, I'm not even like a real business owner or anything, but... Like, the one thing that bothers me is, like, when you see the posts on, like, Facebook, you see posts on Instagram, and mm-hmm. it's, like, where people are complaining about, like, black business, or, like, even just in general conversation that you have with people where they complain about, like, black business businesses where, like, oh, see, this is why you can't, this is why you can't support black people because they're always doing ABC, XYZ, and, like, we always doing it. And I feel like, to me, that perpetuates, like, a certain stereotype. Because for me personally, like, I don't care if you're black, white, whatever. Like, if you have, like, a good business model or a good business, I'll support it. If you have good customer service, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, for instance, like, there's a a Jamaican restaurant, like, when I was in Georgia. And, like, I would go, but I I got tired of going because it was, like, they, um, they would never have the stuff on the menu. And it's like, don't put it on the menu if you ain't got it. Like, if I come in there and I ask for it and you're like, nah, we ain't got that. It's like, you know, so I got to go down all this. But even then, though, I'm still not going out saying to other people like, oh, no, you know, we just, we're black people and da 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 this and that because, you know, they don't never have this, this and that. It's like, that just happened to be a bad experience. I've had other experiences at white restaurants where, you know, or white businesses where, it's like, you know, similar where it's like mm-hmm. they really messed up. So it's like the the thing that I hate, though, is where we just try to lump all black businesses mm-hmm. in this one category. And it's like, oh, well, we all be messing black businesses. Like, no, like sometimes people do a bad job and sometimes people do a good job. But I just don't like the lumping of everybody in one category. So, um, like, you know, I guess me personally, like I would prefer, you know what I'm saying, to like, like, whatever it is that I'm doing, if I can deal with black people, I'm going to do it. Um, 
but overall it's just like the overall experience and i i don't like the perpetuating of like that stereotype of black businesses are messed up and that's why we can't ever do nothing right type of stuff because like i believe it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy when you do that and so like if you have that mindset about black businesses and so on and so forth then that's what's going to come to fruition and this is why we can't never get ahead and then everybody else is going to look at it and be like see this is why they always messing up you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like we it's like a family type of thing where it's like you know we can't like what's internally i guess we can talk about each other but we can't let it be known publicly and so that's also like you know like me being in the military or what have you so like when I ha- I'm in charge of a section or something like that, like, you know, and it's it, even like this at any job, really. But, you know, I'll, like, I'll have a, a initial sort of, like, meeting or whatever where it's like, these are expectations, this is what, you know, we need to do, blah, 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 blah. And, like, one of the things is, like, that we're a team, you know what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I view, like, black people and black businesses, like, like we're all a team. And so it's like other people you know what I'm saying, are in on it because it's not their business. You know what I mean? It's not, they, they don't need to know about it. So it's like, when we do that and we put that stuff on Facebook and then like other people look at it like, see, yep, that's why black people can't do anything. Yeah, I, I, it just, I, it rubs me the wrong way. So like, I always hate those posts when people do stuff like that. Like, it really agitates me. So, yeah. I don't think that really answered the question, but I just, those are my thoughts. You did. I'm, damn. All right, Rick, both of y'all actually came up with two things that, uh, like, when you were answering the question, there was two separate things that came up that I do want to talk about. And, Rick, you brought up a good point, in my opinion, in regards to perpetuating the cycle thing. And I've heard other people say the same thing where I remember I was giving a ride to this one woman and we was um, talking about the R. Kelly, I mean, this is a little bit off subject in terms, but it sort of ties to what you were talking about, where let's keep it in-house. And we were talking about the uh, R. Kelly, Michael Jackson things and all that stuff. And she was she was saying how, I feel like we need to keep stuff in-house and let's police our own and this and that. And so, I was like, okay, I understand I that. that. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know about that situation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is what doctors got to do it for twenty something odd See, years. See exactly, so, and so I don't, right. I don't know. I, I think, yeah. All right, no. so but before, all right, things that you, you have to, you gotta let. Yes. It be okay. Known. Wait. So before, yeah, like, before y'all go down that wormhole, each other down isn't my thing. I don't believe in that. Yeah, but before we go down that wormhole, so but her mindset to me, okay. Now, granted, it's two different things like it is two separate things like it was one thing about black business that's something another thing but if if you like if your thought is let's keep it internal and like if if this business is doing bad let's try to take care of it with in-house and let's not perpetuate it but at the same time there are issues that some places have and it's like mm-hmm. if we just if we don't say nothing about it then how are they gonna ever get better because that's one of my frustrations, and I'm not trying to perpetuate it. I'm not. But, like, this is a discussion I've had with Chalet, and we go out and we do certain things, and I'm like, it's, 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 I hate to say it. Like, I hate to say it, but it's like the customer service I experience, there is a difference that I experience when I go to 
something that's black owned and I'm experiencing customer service through this business as opposed to when I'm going to, let's say, a, you know, quote unquote, let's say non-black business. And mm-hmm. it's like there is a difference I experience and it frustrates me because I'm like, you want people to support it, but come on, like you need to have a level that makes me want to like it, it just I want to support it. But at the same time, you do have to do like you have to have certain customer service. You do have to have certain like a product that makes me want to support it. And my, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'll say this, like from from my perspective, I think I think like sometimes what we do is we go in there with certain biases mm-hmm. and certain beliefs ahead of time, and it's because of, in my opinion, like the stereotypes that are perpetuated, where it's like black businesses are always messed up or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so, like because of that, like once one little thing happens, you're like, "Oh, see, there it is." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Versus, like, you know how many times like we haven't been to Fridays and Fridays be having stuff up, but well, that's we still true. Go to Friday. That's true. Good point. And and it's like you know, like for me, like what I'll do is like you know, I leave reviews for stuff, and so like, unfortunately, like if if it's usually because I have bad service, but there are a handful of times where I've left reviews for things. For, because of good service, but it's like, I don't, I don't do it based off of like, you know, race. So like that Jamaican restaurant or whatever, like mm-hmm. if I leave a review for them, it's going to be like, you know what I'm saying? Just like, they ain't never got no food when I go there. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to put something on the internet. Like, oh, see, black businesses always messing up. They ain't never got no food. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'll make it specific to that, that experience that I yeah. had instead of generalizing it and like blanketing like all black businesses with that Cause then there's like other, you know, like I went to a Mexican restaurant or something like that mm-hmm. and it was trash and it was, a, it was a bad experience overall. And I left a bad review, but it wasn't like, I was like, look at these Mexicans, get them out the country. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it was just a bad experience with that particular business, but I'm not going to lump everything together. Cause I think, I, I don't know, like I, I, I just look at it individually as opposed to like, as a group of people, if that makes do, sense. Do you think it's possible that, that the that the bar is just set higher for black businesses than than like you know like I said like Fridays you know how I many we all had bad experiences at some of these restaurants but we continue to go there you know is it possible that we just set the bars just ridiculously high like so that if they do make one mistake it's like oh see so well, you can't you can't you can't use them you can't go to this business. Yeah. Or whatever, or whatever the saying is. I, I mean, that may be part of it. I don't know if it's necessarily setting the bar high, but I think it's like we just we already have the expectation of something negative is going to happen, yeah. and because you are going to if the expectation of something negative is going to happen, like once you see it, you're like, oh, there it is. You know, what I mean? you make it almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. You know what I mean? Like you're just waiting for it to happen so you can go ahead and say something about it and talk about it or whatever as opposed to just into it like you know it is what it is and I'll see what I'll get at the end you know what I mean yeah I think that's a good point I mean I I see your point and I do because it's but I see your point and I guess it's like maybe I guess I am guilty of that as well because like for example like before this this topic even came up like before Christina had brought this topic up to me I was out with my wife and we was um, 
like we was buying some clothes and stuff and I was standing in this line and it was like the it, it was a huge line and it was like three people was working at the register and one of them like you know um like the majority of people in the store was black like working behind the registers and stuff. I think it was like one white lady actually was working in there. And it was like the they saw the line but it didn't seem like there was any urgency to deal with it. And it was like the one girl, what irritated me, what made me mad was it was one girl who was helping this one uh, family out. And then she goes and they were sitting there like joking about, like she was joking with the customer about how the people in line was mad because of the line moving slow. She was all like, oh, they going to be like, you know, I know they mad over there. Like, no, if they don't hurry yeah. up. But, but she was like, but I, I do my customers the same for everybody. And they'll be like, they'll get the same service for me. And I'm sitting there thinking like, well, how about you don't mock my displeasure and me standing in this long gate line. And how about you yeah. actually hurry up and do your job so that you can get to the other people. Like that's what ticked me off. And I was real mad about yeah. it. And then, but see, then I, I definitely see what you're saying in terms of if I was at Fridays or where if I was at some other place, would I be? But, yeah, no, I would be feeling, I'd be just as mad. I'd be just as ticked yeah. off because it's like, do better. Like, just do better. It's like, it, it's just, it's, it's like, that's the thing that kind of like irritates me about it. And it's like, I want to support, but it's like, okay, I know that's not all of them because there is other places <laughs> That are I know are black owned that I'm going to and I love like my favorite restaurant that I like going to now and I'm a I'm a regular I finally became a regular at a restaurant but anyway <laughs> um, like that's black owned and I love it and it's like the service is good and the food is great and so it's it's you know mm-hmm. you know I guess that's where I'm saying it's like I understand what you're saying and I do think that you're right but I also feel like we can do better, and I feel like we need to hold people. I don't know. I guess maybe it is like we're holding them to a different standard than other places because. But, I'm sorry. I, 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 I think I think sometimes like we want to say it's just this one particular reason is why we're like this, and I, I don't. I can't. I don't agree with that. I would say, you know, both of you guys are right. Those those are the reasons why. Black businesses sometimes don't do well because we self-perpetuate, you know, we don't give that much good customer service to each other and all the other reasons that will come up in this conversation. I think it's, I think all those reasons are the reason why sometimes people have a hard time uh, keep supporting black businesses. I, I, I think it would be silly for us to just say, okay, this is the one reason, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I think it's all, I think it's all accurate. Yeah. The no, other, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. that go, makes sense. I'm sorry. Um, go ahead, Rick. Go ahead, Billy. No, 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 you go ahead. Okay. The other thing I did want to talk about, because, Chris, you brought it up, and this is one of the things you first brought up, and I, I we got a little bit off on that one topic, but I also wanted to talk touch on what you were saying. And, yes, here's the thing. Like, I want us to support black business, but it goes both ways. Like, just like how I said mm-hmm. I was frustrated with some of the customer service, I can understand your frustration, Chris, as a black business owner, as don't come to a black business. And we all, I, I feel like I'm 
you know, all of us can be guilty of this. Like, if we know somebody and we're like going to, well, actually, all right, I'm sorry, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a little mixed up. I'm gonna co- make it coherent in a second. But so just to stay on point, we can't go to a black business and feel like the prices are like, oh, that's too much, or come on, hook me up, or come on, let me get that discount. Because I feel like we do that, too. And at the same time, you wouldn't go into, like, Saks Fifth Avenue or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. wouldn't, you wouldn't go to Nordstrom mm-hmm. and be like, yo, let me get the discount. Hey, hook me up. Yeah. Or, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But it's like, mm-hmm. they, you come to a black business. And, Chris, I remember, like, you gave me an example. You said somebody asked you for, like, was it a, um, a, oh, a thousand I, photos? I, 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 someone um, asked me to do some photos and they were going to pay me. And I said, okay, cool. So, you know, self-disclaimer here. Our photography has, has always been mostly like landscape, architecture. Um, I'm now starting getting into like the people side. You know, it, it's a totally different ball game. So I either charge practically nothing or depending on who you are, I actually might not charge you at all because I just want to practice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this particular person was reaching out to me on behalf of somebody else. So I said, you know, I'm going to charge you, I think it was like $200 or something like that and for X amount of photos. And at first, like, they were with it. And then later on in the conversation, they, they flipped the script. And was like, well, for that price, we want, like, triple the amount. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to have to up the price. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, then, then it started, like, negotiating. Well, what about if you just take it and then we go someplace else, do it, and da 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 and all this other stuff. And I'm like, listen, I, I'm doing you a service. These photos are legally mine. But mm-hmm. technically speaking, I could take a photo of whoever. And they are legally mine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I set the rules here on that. I'm charging you basically nothing for my time, for mm-hmm. my gas, for the equipment you to use, the camera, the computer, the applications that is used. Like, I'm basically charging you $200, which is nothing. I'm like, that's technically, I'm in the red. And probably your brother would yell at me for that because, I mean, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not setting myself up for success. But again, you know, I told them, I was like, you know, it's like, you know, the concert that they wanted was something that I knew that I, that I can do. But, you know, I wasn't going to charge, uh, you know, something like a, like a wedding photographer would because I know, like, my skill level is not up there. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, I realize what my skill level is and I'm, I don't inflate it, you know, and I tell people up front, like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to practice. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm very upfront. So, you know, there's no, I don't like to do the whole hidden agendas and, and lie. I don't like to do that. So when they, you know, they were like, okay, well, you know, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. And then later on, you know, like I said, they started to try and negotiate and whittle it down. And finally I was like, I'm giving you bottom of the barrel. I'm basically giving it to you for free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. $200, really? You you really want to, $200. Like, if you want X amount of pictures, I'm going to have to increase it. If you, mm-hmm. if you hire a wedding photographer, for example, they're going to charge you like five to 10 grand. Mm-hmm. You know how many pictures they're, gonna, yeah. they're taking there? They're taking thousands of pictures. Do you know how many do you actually get? You get maybe like 100, mm-hmm. 200, and they're charging you five to 10 grand. 
I'm telling you, I don't know, I think I told you something like 10 pictures or, you know, for like 200 bucks mm-hmm. for different looks and stuff like that. That's nothing. It's a dead giveaway. I even went to my other professional photographer friends and I said, you know, what it was. And they were like, yeah, you're giving away that for free. They're like, yeah, they, they, they basically was like, you wasted too much time negotiating. You should not have negotiated because you basically are doing it for free. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it just like, it just kind of like really annoys me. Cause I'm just like, wow, it's just, it's just kind of like what we're doing to ourselves. Cause like, like I said, strangers see me with my camera and they ask me, and they and I can tell them the price, the price, and they're like, oh, okay, you know, whatever, whatever. They'll call me. They they call me. If they call me, they don't. They don't. But they don't haggle me. Mm-hmm. People that I know haggle me, and it's just like, really, why? That was actually what I was I was gonna ask you though, because I think that's probably I, and this could just be me, just I'm basing this off of my life, mm-hmm. but I think it's based off of like, um, if you know that person personally. Yeah. Like if you have some type of personal relationship with that right. person, a friendship, whatever it is, then it's yeah. like, you just don't like, oh, well, I know you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew you when you was broke. Like, mm-hmm. give me a hookup. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so... That, but th- that was a hookup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, yeah. you know, my gas and, like, a little bit of time. I mean, I, I drive a truck. I drive a, a, a mid-sized SUV, so, and I have to put premium, so my gas ain't cheap, you mm-hmm. know? And I live yeah. in Wilmington, and I have to drive out to Philly. That's yeah. That's I'm putting miles on my car. You know what I mean? That's that's time. I'm like, really? You you you're really trying to like? I was just, oh man, I was just, I was so disappointed. I was just like, you gotta be. And for for a second there, I really thought, you know, why am I even doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it really, it just really like killed my spirit at that point. Because I'm just like, wow, you know, like this is. And then and I was gonna have a friend of mine come in. And help me. So I was going to actually, like, give him a little bit because it's also his time. Even though he wasn't mm-hmm. shooting, I was going to have him advise me because he does this professionally. But mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. my friend. So even as he's my friend and he was willing to help me, he didn't ask me for money. I wanted to give him a little something, something. Yeah. So, again, you yeah. know, so like I'm, you know, I'm doing this out of the kindness of my heart. And so for you to sit here and then, like, want to negotiate and like d- you know dwindle it down like it just really hurt my feelings it's just like wow this, is this how we're gonna do to each yeah. other because yeah. a friend of mine my friend greg and i'm and um well i'm pretty sure you've seen on my facebook page he has mm-hmm. his own business he, and i do personal training with him and i do a whole bunch of classes with him i've never not once ever asked him for a dis- discount mm-hmm. ever whatever the price is that he lifts is the price I pay. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? I never, and him and I, it was because he, he's obviously, he has his own business. So we've had that conversation. And he said, yeah, you know, for a long time, I was doing a lot of things for free. And, you know, because I was getting started and, you know, he understood how I felt. He was like, yeah, that is kind of messed up. And I was like, Greg, I never asked you for a, 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 a discount. Whatever it was, it's whatever it was, because this is your livelihood. Like, this is just mm-hmm. one job, you know, like, this is, my, this is my side, it is my side job, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was just like, wow, you know, like, that's just, it's just a shame that, like, that how much I try to support other people, it was a shame that, like, I couldn't get that back, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's just, yeah. 
I mean, I, I think like the way I would look at it, though, is I, and maybe this isn't the right way. And, and you know, I've, I've never really had a business, like a real business, but I would look at it more so as the quality of the person, like instead of, you know what I mean? Because it's like you, you as a person, you wouldn't do it. And I know me personally, I wouldn't do it to someone else. Right. But then you just have those people who are just like, you know, crap people. And they're just like, oh, well, let me try and get a deal. You know what I'm saying? And like yeah. negotiate it and then try to make you feel bad about it because, you know, but it's like those are the type of people who like, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I would view it as like a, just a generally like a lower quality person. Cause like, why are you asking for all these hookups? Cause you wouldn't right. do the same thing if you went somewhere else. Like if someone else was going to charge you a, a similar price or if not more as to what I was going to charge you, you wouldn't be trying to have them down or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I guess I, then again, I did get to that point. I, I mean, I yeah. definitely did get to that point, but it's just, again, it sucks because this is your own people. Mm -hmm. You know, like, mm -hmm. I expect that from a stranger. I don't expect yeah. that from my friend, especially when I I yeah. stated my case. Mm -hmm. I, I was stated, like, this is, I'm giving you, like, I'm giving you X amount of photos. I'm like, you know, I'm basically almost charging you, like, $20 a photo. Like, that's mm -hmm. really not bad. Because mm -hmm. if you were to buy a picture in the gallery, one photo, like, I have, I have two photos that I have available for sale, and they're both 300, they're over 300 a piece. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm charging you $20 for a photo. I think that's a practical, that's a giveaway. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, it did get me down at that moment, but I'm just like, whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to keep mm -hmm. practicing as much as I possibly can. You know, I'm not going to. Mm -hmm let that ruin it but you know ultimately like i just you know i told well i was like yo you know this has been going on you know I, I have you know i have my instagram and i have my facebook and you know i do post and i get mm -hmm. sometimes i get the vast majority of the time i get more likes and comments from people that i don't know than my yeah. own people yeah and that's, yeah. and that's not even just stuff that I'm selling. I'm just posting work, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I don't even get, I get more likes and comments from strangers. And I can look to see, like, where my comments are coming from. Because, mm -hmm. like, um, when you open a business account on on, on on Instagram and on Facebook, it gives you this thing called, like, insights. And it tells mm -hmm. you where people are liking you, like, where they um, say that they're whatever location that they're saying that they're at mm -hmm. i mean australia china all these other places i don't know people there yeah. you know, yeah. i get more likes from them than i do right here in good old fashioned america so chris, chris like do you feel like it's more because it's, it's sort of like what ricky was saying do you feel like it's more like just the fact like the person the people that you know or is it do you feel like it's like this is an issue that goes on in the black community period where we always trying to look for a hookup or is I, it it would it would be it would, what it what i said earlier it's mm -hmm. not just one thing it's a combo of people i know it's a combo of probably not getting the right exposure it's a combo of people asking you know for me to do stuff for free mm -hmm. you know it's, mm -hmm. it's a it's a combo of all of that i can't I can't sit here and pinpoint like which one it is. I can tell you which one which bothers me the most is the people that I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that that's just like wow, really? Like we supposed to be supporting one another? Like, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. So I yeah. have, I have another um, question for you guys because it, it ties into black support and um, you know because it's like there's so many different types of black businesses I guess you could say or there's so many different types of things and it's you know now I I want to kind of veer into the realm of entertainment just for a moment only be mm-hmm. only because this is something that I've noticed like there's there's two sides of this thing that I notice when I'm like on Facebook and social media and stuff like that and so you know recently they have, uh Disney just came out and cast uh, Haley Bailey as uh, Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because it was like the minute I saw it and she's, you know, she's part of the uh, group uh, Haley and Chloe and she's on Grownish, And so it's like they're very talented. I, I like the choice. But anyway, the second it happened, I was like, this is great. But now cue the angry racist. That's gonna be mad that this fictional white character is now being played by a black person, and so of course you know you get all these things. People is is all mad and this and that. But here's one of the weird things about it: there is like a group of people that I'm noticing that I don't want to say they're defending the people that are upset about it, but it almost feels like they're defending the people. That's upset about it, and and the way and the way that they do it is like they're posting like memes or they're posting photos of black movies or black roles played by white people, and then be like, "But if the shoe was on the other foot," and I'm just like, like for example, one I saw somebody posted a meme and it was like Black Panther two, and it had Ryan Gosling playing Black Panther, and it was like. Y'all would be all up in arms, and I'm just sitting there like, oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Cause I, yeah, it was it was that, something. Yeah. It it wasn't. Yeah, I've seen something like that and something else. I can't remember, but like where you're trying to like belittle the issue. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like to me, like like yeah, I don't like it when I see that, especially if it's from like a, like if it's from like a black person or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because now I feel like, yeah, you kind of are defending those people, even though you're trying to say it's a joke. But it's like, no, like, some things are funny, some things aren't. Exactly. And, you know, them being mad about it is stupid. And so it's like, don't help their, support their cause yes. by posting stupid stuff like this. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, like, that, like, when I saw it, I was saying, like, how, yeah, I, I get what you said, but nah, like, like, no, nah, that's retarded. Like, because yeah. here's the deal. Like, you know, and I said this when we were talking about us and there was people was upset that Jordan Peele said, oh, I'm not casting any lead white males or white leads in my movies. I've, you know, I've seen that story. I loved when he said that. I was like doing a slow clock. I was like, yes, because it's true. We yeah, see that story exactly. over and over and over again. And the thing, Why do we need to see that story? We don't need to see it. But the thing that irritates me where people say, well, if it's reverse, but here's the deal. Hollywood in particular has cast people out of, like, you know, freaking freaking John Wayne playing Genghis Khan in a movie. Like, yeah. what the Like, that's a, yeah. that's an Asian because, man. Because it doesn't, suit their, it doesn't suit their narrative. They always want to be, 
they want to portray what they want to portray when they want to portray how they want to portray it, you know? And so when we got people, uh, you know, minorities telling, telling them, hey, no, you know, that's not right. It's, it's wrong. And, you know, so then they come back, they come back. Yeah. They just come back with these like really, you know, silly yeah, so it's like, arguments like, yeah. oh, it's reverse racism. There's no such thing as reverse racism. Whatsoever. No, yeah. So it's like, so for the thing, the thing that that kills me, or the thing that I'm like, when I see it is like, I, yeah, it's, I feel like you're defending their stupidity because for one thing, it's not equivalent to me because for one, this is a fictional character, like this is a, a fictional thing. This isn't like this is based on a real person, or this isn't like yeah. there's there's no defining thing like. Her being white in that cartoon wasn't like that was her defining trait. Like the defining trait of that character was that she was she she had a beautiful singing voice and she fell in love with a person on land and so that could be played by anybody. You know what I mean? It's not like like for you to sit there and equivalent to Black Panther, which is like okay, yeah, that's a fictional character, but it's a fictional character that's based in the continent of Africa. So it's like, no, it's not the same thing. Like it's not, it's like you can't equate. Like you can't sit there and say, "Oh, y'all will be mad." No, because one, it doesn't make any sense. Like if if it's based in the continent of Africa and the majority of the people in that country are black, it would make zero sense for the person to be white. So it's like a fictional mermaid, which isn't a real freaking thing. Mm-hmm. That's a made up creature. <laughs> like that could be, they c- could be green. They could be like freaking Ursula was purple. So yeah. you're going to be mad when the person cast ain't purple. Because guess what? There's no purple people. Listen, it, let's, let's be honest here. It has nothing to do about a, a fictional character or about a, or a mythical creature. Mm-hmm. It all has to do with control. That's why they're getting all upset, because they're seeing that there's a shift now where they're not dominant in every single aspect of life. They're starting to see minorities be like, no, you need to put us in here. No, we need to tell the stories. No, you can't have a white man playing an Egyptian or a white man playing an African or a white man playing uh, someone Asian. Mm-hmm. You know, like they know that it makes sense. They're just mad that they're losing power. So anybody mm-hmm. who's making any of these derogatory comments, they just they, they're bigly mad. They're bigly mad that at that that the narrative is changing. That they are no longer you know, uh, in everything, that they're not dominant in everything, and then it scares them. So then they come out with these crazy comments that, are, oh, you're ruining their childhood. It's a mythical character. Like, whatever. Get over it. Yeah. Who cares? You know, I, I think, honestly, I feel like that essentially kind of is a distraction from what really is the issue which is there isn't enough representation for minorities in all aspects of life. That's really the issue. Mm-hmm. But it's like to kind of get it back on to where I was talking about the support, like what do you say to the people? Like, th- I mean, these are black people that are posting, like I said, they're posting the memes about like showing, well, oh, if the role was reversed, or and I get it that they're trying to be funny, but at the same time, I feel like do you not see that you're kind of 
making the arguments for these racist people or like you know yeah, I, go I ahead just, I, just chalk it up to ignorance like you just, yeah you just yeah. stupid like it's like why are you gonna sit there and 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 try to rationalize with someone who's irrational why are you trying to fight with someone who is ignorant like you know it's just like for what you're not gonna get anywhere you're gonna lose you know it's like mm-hmm. you're just just wasting your breath basically it's like why why fight with ignorant people there's just mm-hmm. whatever it's, again yeah. i just feel like it's just it's a distraction it's not really like, what it's about the the ones i like though and um you know because of of the whole aerial thing like the ones that i liked are the ones where they like try to make those people feel stupid like you know where it shows like somebody like oh why are they making aerial black you know what i'm saying and then like somebody will comment and it'll be funny and it just makes them look stupid mm-hmm. like those i don't mind those but it's like the ones like you said where it's like brian Gosling's gonna be black panther or something stupid like that like those like no just don't don't post it don't share it but yeah 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 it's like i mean it, it reminds me of, like, all right, so, like for example, like, when Black Panther came out, you know, we went out in droves to go see it, and we went hard for it. And then, but you had, like, people going, that's not a black movie. Like, Disney did that, and that's a white company, and that's not a black movie. Oh, and they getting your dollars, and you putting it, like, okay, like, I get it that, yes, Disney's a predominantly white-owned company, but this movie... It's gotta be if, if it's gotta be black. It's gotta be like one hundred percent black. Because if it's not one hundred percent black, then it's not black. Man, cut it out. We gotta start somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that uh, Black Panther was a good a good starting point. I think Jordan Peele is a good starting point. I think despite what people feel about you know um, Tyler Perry, you know, in his movies, I think he's a good starting point. Like you, mm-hmm. you have to start. Somewhere, it just we just can't go in there and and say, okay, we're completely taking over, taking over this business. We're firing everybody white, everybody black, and that's how it's gonna be. It doesn't work that way, mm-hmm. you know. It's just I just think it's just so silly for people that because I, I heard those same comments too, and I was like, man, bye. I'm gonna go watch this movie, and I went there with my dishiki. <laughs> okay, I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was all like power of the people and I was looking to see if there was any if any white folks was there because I'm pretty sure that you know they, they would have felt like us when we normally go to a location where we're <laughs> the only ones and I was like yep mm-hmm. I saw I mean, yeah. people all dressed up it was awesome it was great let's just you know like we, it's, we gotta do it in steps we just can't just make you know we just can't just sit there and just completely take over. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. We got to start somewhere. So, you know, that was a very, very good, that was, I would say that was even more than a start. That was a nice mm-hmm. huge leap, considering, because what, two years ago, that that was considered impossible mm-hmm. two years ago. So, shoot, shout out to Ryan Kugler for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Rick, you was about to say um, something? No, no, I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm sorry. I missed whatever you said to initially start this because I got a bunch of text messages that I was looking at, and I, <laughs> I didn't, but I'm sorry. It's okay. I don't have a comment. All right. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. Um, so, okay, that so, you know, staying in this, this whole realm of, of, of talk about support, 
How do you feel like, because, you know, Rick, this started with you saying how it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy and stuff like that. How do you guys, mm-hmm. like, how do you guys feel like this is something that we can, like, we can break that cycle or we can, like, how, how can we invest more within our community and within our own black businesses? Like, what's a way that you feel like is effective in promoting, like, you know, we talking about it, and we like we can agree that there's probably. So, yeah, actually, I was gonna say I meant to say something. Um, you know, when it, earlier when you were talking about like the, the restaurants that you actually really like, mm-hmm. but it's like you know, like we see, like I said, you see a post on social media where people are like trashing people mm-hmm. all the time. You know what I'm saying? Or like trash, put blanketing black business together. But it's like no one ever like blankets it all together when they have a good experience. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like they may individually shout out that person or that company or whatever. But it's like, you know, I don't know, I, I think that's the way you do it. It's like like the same way like that people are doing it to trash it, like those are the ways that you can try and fight against it. Like if you like that and like also trying to get people to change their mindsets, which is going to be the hardest part. Cause like I said, I feel like people just go in there with already like having a bias or having like, uh, you know, thoughts of this is going to be bad or something like that, or always looking like, Oh, well I want to get a hookup. You know what I mean? Like if you just go into it, you know, just as you would with any other business and view it that way, as opposed to viewing it like, Oh, well it's a black person. So I need a hookup or this a black person and it's going to be trash. Like, just going to it, like, with an open mind and just open to whatever is going to happen, um, you know, I think that would help. But, you know, unfortunately, that's, that's like, probably impossible is to change how people are going to think, you know. And But it's, like, the one thing that people can do, though, is, like, when you do have that good experience, like, you know, give them props or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. share it on sh- social media uh, when you have that good experience as opposed to, like, just trying to, put that generic post with the black background and white letters like black businesses suck. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know how people do that? Like they share the, the same dumb posts all over again and it's just very generic. And like, I feel like that's a way of like kind of controlling people and influencing the way that they think going mm-hmm. into stuff. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a small step, but then, I mean, I guess the other part is like, in the way that I operate, like in life, it's like I just want to treat people how I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, if I have a business or whatever, like whenever I work somewhere, like I always put myself like in the customer's shoes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to try and like have this interaction with you based off of how I would want to have the same interaction with me. Um, so, yeah, like I, I think that it, it kind of would start with like, you know, for those businesses that are bad, like maybe you just need to train your people better. You know, maybe you need to change your mindset as well. You know what I'm saying? And think about it. Like maybe you need to hire people that are going to be, you know, better employees and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, but it's, it's like a whole, it, it's a lot of things that certainly feed into it though. So um, it's not an easy fix, mm-hmm. but the, the one things that we can do though, like you can only do, you can only control the things you can't control and, you know, influence the things you can influence. So it's like, you know, doing those things or sharing your good experiences is, is a start, I would say. Okay. Chris, do you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, I think your brother just kind of, you know, just said it all. Um, 
Hit it on the, what's that, what's the, uh, quote? Hit it, hit it on the head? Hit the nail on the head? Hit, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just, you know, support other people. Don't think that one experience is bad for everybody. And, you know, don't ask me for no damn discount. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, funny story. So I went to a Dunde festival and this, I saw this one, um, table and this lady had like this laminate sign and it was like, the prices are the prices. Do not haggle, do not ask for a discount. If you don't like it, like too bad. Literally, it said something just like that. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I said, go on sister, that's right. <laughs> and she was like, for real, she was like, who will be asking me for discount? What kind of kind of mess is that? And she then she went off and I was just like, I, I totally understand, mm-hmm. totally get it. So, yeah, don't ask me for no discount. Well, I want to take this opportunity to plug uh, you guys because I feel like we need to support one another. So definitely check out my brother Ricky's podcast, F Living Rich and Dying Broke. His last episode was actually about credit. I actually listened to it. It was very informative. It uh, gave me some good ideas on how to help repair my credit and build my credit up in a positive manner. So, Definitely check out his podcast and support my girl, Christina. It is a uh, Chris Hill photography and you can uh, follow her on Instagram. Uh, uh, I know she has a Facebook page. It's Chris Hill photography. And then also mm-hmm. on Instagram is Chris underscore Hill underscore photos and photos is with the S at the end. So definitely support it people. Mm-hmm. And I um. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, I just wanted to thank you guys for joining me on the, you know, you guys have also been very supportive of my podcast. I greatly appreciate it. I greatly appreciate looking forward to having you guys on more and more and uh, having conversations. And if you guys have the people who are listening, if you have any thoughts on what's been discussed, make sure you hit me up on zero to 100 pod at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I. I. I yeah. I feel like I. I have more to say, but I just. Oh no I don't no. Know go ahead. To say, so I guess I'll just leave it at that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. If you had more to say, I don't wanna. No, no. You did know. Like you didn't. I. I don't know. It, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm okay with this, and I'm sorry I'm doing all this like random talking. <laughs> it's okay. Um, this, this is the beauty of podcasting. Yeah. It's whatever I feel like making it. So it's funny because people always ask me, they go, "What's your podcast about?" And I go, "Whatever I want to talk about." Because <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, initially I had it set to I was going to be talking about sports. And, like, probably sports and politics, those are the things I get the most fired up about. But the reality of it is, is I get fired about, up about everything. And um, so it's like, if, like, you know, Christina gives me a good idea, I'll go, ooh, that is a good idea. That's a good topic. And, you know, I'll talk about that. Or I'll see something on the news or I'm seeing something in social media that irritates me. And I go, ooh, that's a good topic. I want to talk about that. Like, upcoming, I want to do a... Um, I'm actually, it's funny, coming up, I want to do an episode on uh, conspiracies and conspiracy theories because while there is some conspiracies that I actually do acknowledge or believe in, there's some that I feel like people need to stop and, like, I want to, 
slap people and say not everything is a freaking conspiracy. But that's for another episode. We can get into that later. So once I, it, I just I thought uh, we were like I thought you were going to talk about that thing I had talked to you about previously, but uh, I guess yeah, like you said, I, I, I should I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to work on it, but if I don't work on it and get it like oh here, oh I can oh do oh something with it, I think you know I'm gonna give it to somebody else. To you do. you reminded me. No, I'm sorry, you did remind me of something that I looked up that I definitely wanted to share. I apologize. So. This has been a really awkward dismount. But before you guys go, before, before, yeah, we're podcasting. It's okay. Uh, Especially like if you've been listening to it, you can notice like in every episode, there's something different or um, look, this is a work in progress. Anyway, there was something I looked up because uh, Rick, you had brought something up before. Like this is like something we had talked about off. And so I decided to look it up actually. Like, my brother Ricky was saying he was um, wanting to come up with an app or something or look up something to try to connect people, um, like, through to help support black businesses or to, you know, help black businesses and stuff like that. And so there actually is, I looked this up, there is... Uh, oh, yeah, it's a good thing I said that because now you can plug it, yeah. Yeah, there is, uh, I was looking it up, I, when I actually Googled, I was like, black support apps like you know back actually i'm sorry it was black business support apps and so there was actually this uh article um that i found where it was pointing out five websites and apps that can help people find black owned businesses and and support them and so i was reading about them and i found them really interesting so i just wanted to plug them at this time and make people aware of it so there was five uh apps and websites First one was where you came from and where you came from. It's a website and an app and it allows consumers to search for local businesses and services that are black owned. And it's included our listing of clothing stores, banks, childcare and everything in between. The, mm, good. the second one is support black owned. And that is um, it's a uh, it's a directory for black-owned businesses pretty much across the world. It's easy to search, and you can um, look. You can even look to advertise your business there. It's actually free to add a business to their website. So if you have a black-owned business, you can actually go to this website, and you can advertise on there for free so people can actually search you out. So if you have a black business, this is something you may want to look at. It's called Support Black-Owned. Then the third one is We Buy Black, and it's an online marketplace that showcases black-owned businesses and their products. Shoppers can buy many unique items and support thousands of businesses. The fourth one is iZania, and iZania features a way for you to search local black-owned businesses in your area. And uh, I'm sorry, iZania is I-Z-A-N-I-A, and it also features an online market. And you can search for the best products and businesses across America. It highlights them, encouraging people to shop black. And then the last one is moving, and that's M-O-O-V-N. Now, this is an app that's actually a business. And what it is is it's a black-owned business, and it's an alternative to uh, Uber or Lyft. And, yeah, it's like, now here's the thing. It's very limited right now 
because it's uh, only yeah. it's only in Africa, the Middle East, and it's in um, the United States and a select few cities. Like the cities that I mm-hmm. do know it's in, it's in Atlanta, it's in Boston, it's in Washington, D.C. Um, awesome. And I can't remember the other one. I apologize, but look it up. So if you're in those cities or if you're going to be traveling to those cities, you may want to download the app. Because I looked it up. You can download the app. So it's called Moving M-O-O-V-N. So those are five uh, what I thought were good high, uh, apps and websites that support black business. So, no, yeah. it's actually really good and informational. And, you know, now people can, like, use those or if you have a business, like, promote your business through those and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I really appreciate you guys joining me again. This was a great conversation, and I thought I think that we uh, we we touched on some good stuff. Like, what do you guys think? No, I think it was good. I think it was good. Thanks for uh, for having me on. Well, I I appreciate it. I look forward to having you guys again on the Zero to One Hundred podcast. Thank you. All Thank right. you. So once again, I want to thank uh, Ricky. And Christina for joining me. And so now for the next portion of the episode is this is the the rest of the conversation that came from uh, the 40 Acres and a Mule episode. This is the ender. And uh, this is me talking to Saquon Gullet about his book, Sail City. Be switching up a little bit. I did want you to talk about because, you know, I, I didn't know that you wrote your very own book. So tell me about Sale City, like, and what, what it's about. Yeah, I, um, well, I originally wrote it as a screenplay. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2015, I believe. Started working on it. And I wanted to film it. I really didn't have a, a huge budget. I didn't have much of a budget at all. And I was working at the time, and the, the place that I worked, I had to work on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So, when you're working with a small budget like that, you know, most people that you're trying to get, I'm getting actors that I know personally or that I can get for next to nothing. And nobody was, everybody was uh, free on Saturday, but I wasn't. Now, at this time, all we had is basically a script and a vision in my head. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of other people working on it with me, but nobody felt comfortable to take it on in my absence. So on the Saturdays when the rest of the actors were free, I wasn't, so we had a really, really, really hard time getting scene shot. So uh, I tried to like retool, cast some new actors, and the same problems happened. So I kind of got frustrated and I stepped back from it. And um, then I came up with the idea to write it as a book, um, kind of get, try to get a file in that way, and then possibly revisit it as a series in the future. Mm-hmm. So I started writing. And I really, I had so much going on that I didn't, you know, take and, and really, really, really focus on it. So I started writing and I stopped, stopped for maybe a month or a month and a half. And I started again. Now, this time, um, I was told about a writing style that some authors use where you use each character uh, as a chapter. Like, their yeah. chapter and it's written from their point of view. Yep. So I started out doing that, and it just wasn't for me. I, I don't think it was bad, mm-hmm. but I felt like I couldn't carry on a whole book 
writing and not stop. Yeah. So I scrapped it. <laughs> and I started writing again. And I was just really, really uh, tiptoeing a little bit because I'm trying to, in my head, I know what, what, what my audience is, I know what the story is, but at the same time, I'm trying to write like a literary classic. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to, you know, walk toe the line here between uh, urban story, but also write you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, but those are the expectations that I have. So, I, I started writing and I, I kind of backtracked again just to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to write it the way I write. So, from that point on, I kind of focused out. It took me about a month and a half to finish it. I really, really dedicated myself and wrote for like hours and hours a day and um, did it about, in about a month and a half. And, um, the, re- the reviews on it have been have been really really good. I felt like I kind of I kind of spooked myself a little bit because I feel like okay, I may have been alienating everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this might have been a book that was too hard for <laughs> the, the classic crowd, mm-hmm. but then too classic for the hood crowd. Mm-hmm. So I'm like I, I figure, look, this is me. This is how I am. I'm, I'm kind of both of those things. So I just did it, and it kind it worked, and people have. Um, Really, really liked it. Um, I'm going to. I'm working on part two now, and I also am come bringing it full circle. And I have um, a deal on the table, possibly where we're going to actually turn it into a series, uh, which was the initial push. So oh, that's what's up. Everything kind of worked out. Yeah. So, so what is you know just without giving away the whole plot? Like, what's the the premise of Sale City? Okay, so the the book is called Cell City, and it's based in Cell, New Jersey, which is Cell City is a nickname that we that was created uh, some time ago by the hip hop generation for Cell. Mm-hmm. So the story takes place there, and the dynamic that kind of took on got taken on in the book that wasn't there in the series originally is that the city of Cell in the book is a character. Oh, okay, um, because it. it, it the way that it it is a backdrop, and not only that, I tell the backstory of a lot of the characters through real Salem stuff. So it's almost like the city has become uh, a star in the book as well. Um, so that just kind of happened. I was I got to maybe chapter two, I think, and just the way that I started going with it, it was something that I revisited. And it really, really, really just worked. It clicked, and that that wasn't it uh, when I originally wrote the book as a series. So it, I'm I'm so happy that that did happen because it opened up another avenue, another even another um, demographic of people that were interested in it because people learned some things, mm-hmm. like um, like some of the notable people that had come from the area. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the first, I will, I will tell you this, uh, I speak of a guy in the, in, in the book from Salem named John Rock. He was one of the first black doctors in the country. He was a lawyer, he was an abolitionist, but he was also the first black person received on the floor of the House of Representatives. He was from Salem, New Jersey, which is a pretty small town, so yeah. that was a, you know, a major thing. And, and when I was growing up, I grew up in Salem. I went to school there from kindergarten through 12th grade. Never heard that guy's name. I oh, learned about him until I was grown. So these are things that I felt like, come on, this is like a 
that's a you know that's just like celebratory. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know I spoke of things like that. So there's some notable people, some notable areas, some you know some some really good things, and you know it just builds the builds the character of these you know fictional people. Um, so I feel like it's a pretty unique unique take on 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 an urban story. Yeah, that's what's up. I mean, it's funny because yeah, my my um, I'm fam- I'm familiar with Salem because you know I have family there. Um, my dad grew up in Salem. Um, in fact, you know I'm pretty certain uh, he met my mom at a, a church there in Salem uh, at Mount Calvary. Yeah. So yeah, it's like you know my my uncles and aunts are there. So yeah, I'm I'm familiar with it. Um, and it's funny because yeah, that I've never heard of John. I've never heard of John Rock. Like I never, never heard of that. And so yeah, that's cool. That and it that's that gives me something to look into. So where where can people get your book? Uh, well, you can go to my website, which is galettewrites.com, which is my last name, G U L L E T T Rights, as in Rights W R I T E S dot com, dot com. Uh, it's available there. It's also available on Amazon. Okay. Um, you just type in Cell City or Cell City Saquon Galetta should come up. Um, yeah. The reviews on there are pretty pretty nice. Um, and I didn't tell anybody what to review. Mm-hmm. I asked a couple people if they wouldn't mind doing it, but I didn't mm-hmm. tell anybody what to say if they yeah. be honest. So. The reviews are pretty good. People people seem to love it. I've been getting hit up about when part two will be out because it, there will be a part two. It should be out pretty soon. I'm just trying to wrap up. That's awesome. Um, the negotiations with this series, and then I'm going to go ahead and put out part two. That's fantastic. I'm definitely going to check it out. And, it you know, yeah. it, it's funny. It's like I'm glad that you, you know, didn't change your vision on what you wanted to do because you was worried about uh, alienating certain people like I know it's funny because me and my brother Ricky we both kind of talked about that like when he was starting his own um podcast um F Living Rich and and Dying Broke it was you know he was talking about how he he really wanted to like the thing that sparked him to do it was seeing the NPR story about how uh black people in um, Boston had like a median income or, or wealth of like eight dollars compared to, um, you know, white people in Boston that had six figures. And he was just like he really wanted black people to invest in themselves and try to build their wealth and stuff like that. But then he was worried about alienating other people. But the reality of it is, is, is when you talk about finances, that that impacts everybody. And yeah. you know, I was thinking the same thing. Like when I talk. When I was doing this, doing zero to one hundred, it's like, of course, a lot of stuff that I get hyped about, <laughs> a lot of stuff that I get frustrated about, is is centered around, especially in the, the political realm, is is center is around black people and black culture and, and stuff like that. But at the same cool. time, I also was like, you know what, I gotta be me, and that's the whole point of me doing this is like being one hundred percent real. And the point is like as passionate as hard as I go when I'm ranting about reparations I also go like I don't know if you listened to the last episode but I also go hard if I'm ranting about ranking my Disney movies so it's like, so, it's like, so it's like I'm glad that you you know you kept your vision and you because the reality of it is 
people like good stories. And yeah. and that's the, the beauty to me of like, you know, what I was saying when we was doing um um like when we were talking about like uh when we did our review of us and I was talking about how if you look at Hollywood now you see a lot of diversity and you see different main characters and stories and, and major motion pictures sitting around different people, like not just white males. And so the reality of it is people always will like tune in for a good story and that's the beauty yeah. of it. But yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out, man. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what you think. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always want to, you know, good, good, honest, look into what people think about something that I created because I you know, I've been a creator my whole life and mm-hmm. I'm left handed, you know, I'm an artist, I, you know, so I just I, I love to create stuff. I should have I you know, even even in the realm of movies trying to get into that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like these are things that I've thought about, you know, since I was a kid. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I'm just happy to be able to to produce something and we're in like a perfect time for mm-hmm. it now because you know there's so many different avenues if, if if Hollywood is not opening the door for you then you have content providers yep. that might let you in the back door you know yep. so, yeah that's a beautiful time it is and you know it's, it's so funny that you say that too because I know yeah, every, yeah I'm, I'm that same way in regards to the, the creative um process of it like just doing stuff from a creative standpoint and like Mm -hmm. that's why i've been you know doing the podcast has been so enjoyable to me because it gives me opportunity to do something different and to create like i was telling my brother the most fun i'd be like i have doing it is when i'm coming up with an opening um for, for it because i'm looking for different clips of uh, stuff that I remember seeing or stuff that ties into the episode and, and just creating something different. And um, so, yeah, I, I love interacting with people that, that also like to be creative. So I'm, you know, even though, you know, I know, like, I'm not going to jinx you enough or say anything, you know, but you might become a part of the family or whatever, but I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that I got to interact with you and like, you know, I've been able to connect with you and, and you yeah, know, absolutely. So it's yeah, good to bounce good energy and you know just vibes and and being able to to hopefully come up with something collectively. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always for that. Most deaf man, most deaf. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Saquon. This has been great. Like like. I'm definitely going to have you on again. You know, I have repeat people on all the time, so I really look forward to you coming back on to the Zero to One Hundred podcast. Yeah, man, just let me know. I'm, you know, you know how to get in touch with me. I'm available. We'll make it happen. I, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I try to be well learned about a lot of different things. So, um, I'm, I'm down to talk about a lot, a wide range of topics. <laughs> Most definitely, man. Most definitely. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks a lot. I want to ask you a, a direct question about that. We thought you, you've been talking about it a little bit more, but why do you, think we value these high-end fashion designers like the Gucci's and whoever else more than we do black browns and what can we do to change that we got a bigger problem than that man but I'll, I'll address that too what you say what should we do to change that presupposes that it needs to be changed do you think that um 
do you when you say change you mean change the element of aspiration that makes us want to get expensive things is that what you're talking about or are you just saying walk away from these expensive brands which is which which would what do you I'm mean i'm not by saying that? walk away i'm saying that it can be some gucci shades that you're wearing right now yes on the table and it could be some shades by a black designer that look the same same quality same material same everything and the person will pick the gucci a black person why is that because how you do we put the value on our stuff it's it's a what it's what i call the pimp program you know what i'm saying when you see a pimp he all dressed up fly he's more attractive you know, people want what they can't get. So you're saying black people are hoes? No, I ain't saying black. I'm saying the mentality associated with luxury, with aspiration, has to do with things that people can't afford. You know? When you see, when you see a hustler riding through the... It's the same thing that happens to a young boy in the street. You see a hustler riding around with a Benz, you know what I mean, or, or Lexus. It's the same thing, man. I don't get it. That's the kind of car they want, a luxury yeah. car, it's, 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 as opposed to... It's the reason why I love cars so much. Because growing up in Queens, I would see Prem and all the drug dealers drive up the block with cars that nobody else had. That's what and I'm you talking about. And you always wanted that. So, how do we, so, so how, my question is, how do we get that kind of value for the thing? You just you got to make something compatible to that, that gets the respect of that. It takes time to uh, get the integrity and the respect for a brand. If you can't play, look, why, why everybody, you know what? Here's an interesting thing, man. I ain't going to call out the persons. Here guy, he has a black brand. He calls a meeting. Everybody's sitting at the table. He said, why a brand ain't selling? And he looks around at the table. Nobody at the table is even wearing the brand. So the statement that was uh, just played was one that came from... Um, Taylor and stylist Dapper Dan uh, in Harlem, who's uh, been pretty influential within hip hop culture and in the world of fashion and style, um, especially in the black community. So that actually was trending on Twitter uh, last week, and I felt like it was perfect uh, timing in regards to this episode and the subject matter. And, you know, the statement that he made was one that was taken as controversial. And even though I don't think it was uh, stating anything that hasn't been known or talked about before, especially within the black community, the problem to me, uh, you know, because just like Charlemagne the God, I, he was a little confused by it. But the problem lies within the mentality that Dapper Dan was talking about. And it's, you know, what we choose to recognize as symbols of success. So Dapper Dan equates the reason why people will buy the name brand Gucci shades over a black owned same quality shades. He, he called it uh, the pimp program. And again, it's not outside the realm of believable, of, excuse me, believable ability. Uh, however, I feel that there's even more to play at it than this. There was this video I had seen a while ago on Facebook that someone had shared, and it was a video from 1954, and it was called The Secret of Selling the Negro. And what I wanna do is just wanna play a short clip here that even speaks about brand names and um, what it means to black people or the Negro. Do the Negro customers buy? Why do they buy? How do you sell to them? Let's find out. Let's hear the opinion of men who have spent a lifetime studying the buying habits of customers the world over. Here is what sales psychologists have to say about selling to the Negro. The secret of selling to the Negro is expressed in one word, 
That word is recognition. Now, there's nothing unusual about that. People want to be recognized. They need recognition. That's basic in all of us. But perhaps because he's had so little of it, the Negro needs even more. He needs to feel important and appreciated. This need is a very real and important one. It shows up even in many of the Negro's shopping habits. Anyone who sells or wants to sell to the Negro customer should know about some of these habits. Three habits in particular play a big part in every sales transaction. To begin with, most Negroes buy by brand. They ask for products by name. They're quick to turn down off brands. Do you wonder why? Well, listen to what this customer is thinking. Hmm. That last hat I bought just didn't hold up at all. You see, for a long time, the Negro has been sold a lot of shoddy, second-class merchandise. So now he asks for name brands in order to make sure he gets his money's worth. Buying by brand, that's the first important Negro buying habit. So the psychologist uh, in that clip was saying how why brand was important to black people, and this was due to receiving secondhand or shoddy merchandise in the past, and you know, so we want to get our money's worth. And I do think that that's part of the mentality, but I think it ties more to what Dapper Dan was saying before in regards to we look at a symbol or we look at things that are hard to get and expensive as that means we have achieved a certain level of success. And um, I, I just think that's a, a, it ties into people that sell things understand that, but they tie to, tie to what that psychologist was talking about of how, because look, they think they've made it if you get this brand name sell. Let's push this brand on them. And this was things that they thought of back in 1954 that they're still thinking because we still buy into that mentality. So while these, you know, other companies and brands have a head start in regards to, um, you know, name recognition and, and you know, in terms of what they're seen as it's on us and that's you know up to us for us to recognize the value of our own product and our own buying power uh, i agree with what my brother ricky was saying earlier is that it becomes a bit of like when it comes to helping black businesses or supporting black businesses or experiences with it the lack thereof can be part of this self-fulfilling prophecy you know if we don't value our own how can we expect that business or that brand to grow, uh, which is ties into what Dapper Dan ended his statement with. Like if you're sitting around the boardroom and you wondering why isn't this selling, and then everyone that's sitting in there isn't wearing the same brand or isn't wearing your own material or your own brand, then how, how are you gonna promote it? Um, it's also, I can relate it to what Christina was stating and her frustration where I said, again, it's on us. Why do we look to the owner of a black business or a service to look for a discount or a hookup. Like, you know, we don't go to other businesses and like, you know, we don't go to a Gucci store and go, hey, how about y'all knock this amount off of these shades or this amount off of this bag or, 
we don't do that. We don't haggle with other businesses to that extent. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's almost like to me, the Chris Rock character that I use in the opening clip from I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you sucker. It's like, he, he sat there and was haggling with the guy over the price of ribs and soda and this, that. And then he pulls out this giant wad of cash and asks maybe you got changed for a hundred. So we have the means to afford it, yet we're either, you know, wanting something that's tied to name recognition or we want some kind of hookup or something that because we're failing to support it so to me it's on us to step up and break that cycle we're underestimating our own value and our own worth and even even worse we prioritize to me the wrong things especially like when it comes to terms of judging success based on like he said like you base success on this high value thing that it's hard to obtain or that thing that you you look at and that's the symbol of success when to me in reality true people that are actually successful don't value things that are purchased you know that have a depreciating value and that's something like you look at people especially in the hip-hop industry where they judge their success based off of things like cars or houses or you know, clothes and shoes and things that actually depreciate in value. And that's not something that you should use as a barometer to judge your success. It's like I something I stated in a previous episode uh, as an example of what the actually truly successful or wealthy do is Jerry Jones, who's the owner of the Cowboys, you know, he was caught on camera at one of the games years ago using a flip phone. And then he was interviewed by uh, CBS uh, Scott Pelley, and he was asking him in the interview, he said, well, you know, you own a, a billion dollar sports fr franchise, why are you using a flip phone? And he simply stated, the reason I have this billion, billion dollar franchise is because I own a flip phone. Now, you know, he's saying it, I mean, there's other things to it, let's just be real, he got some family money, but anyway, but he's also saying that he's, he was thrifty, and he's smart with his money, which is, yes, a lot of rich people, successful people do. You don't see rich people constantly going out, buying 20 cars and, you know, being on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and, like, flossing and doing all kinds of stuff. Not truly, truly, like, really powerful people with money. Like, you might see some people that got some money here and there and they like to flash and do this and that, but not the real deal, truly successful people. Um... So, you know, no one, again, is saying that black people shouldn't purchase things of high value and that, you know, we, I, you know, that we shouldn't covet those things or want those things to, if you really want something, if it's high quality, but there should be a different mentality in terms of what it means to be truly successful. And moreover, like we should support our own and invest in black business because who's to say that those brands and those companies that are black owned and black supported won't be seen as valuable to other people outside of the black community like for these companies to blow up or to get that status like if you put money into it and it's making money others will value it like it's similar to to me is like with stock it's like if you were investing in it and the price is going up because of how much demand there is to it, then the 
the demand for it, like the investment into it, then it creates, it builds. Again, it's like that self-fulfilling prophecy. So that's just my my take on it, or that's my thoughts. I really appreciate Christina for giving me the idea for the subject matter. Um, to close things out, I wanted to, again, uh, I'm gonna close it out actually with Tyler Perry's full speech from the BET Awards because I thought it was really powerful. It was very inspiring, especially in terms of where he was and how he came from. And again, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of his movies, but I am actually very, like I've gone and seen them even if I don't want to. Like I went and saw Acrimony, even though I thought it was awful. And it was a really crappy movie, but I was I was happy to support it. I didn't feel bad that I supported it, even though I thought the movie was crap. Um, and also, I just wanted to share, again, those five websites one more time that that um, these are five websites and apps that can help you support black business or even find black businesses to support. And I'm going to go over them one more time just because I really want people to, to look at them and check them out. So again, the first one is where you came from. And it's a website and app where you can search uh, local businesses and services that are black owned. Um, and you know it's all different types of of businesses from clothing stores to banks to childcare, all that stuff second one was black excuse me second one was support black owned and it's a directory also if you have a black business and you want to list your business on the directory it's actually free to add the business there on the website uh, then the third one was We Buy Black, which is an online marketplace and it showcases black owned businesses and their products. And you know, you can buy unique items and support thousands of business. Fourth one was Izania, and again it's I, Z is in Zebra, A and is in Nancy, I A, Izania. And it it features um, a way to search local black owned businesses in your actual area, and it also features an online marketplace and then the last one which again was um moving which is m-o-o-v-n and that's actually an app which is similar to lyft and uber and it's actually um so it it, it actually is like just like lyft and uber it's a ride share program and it's the places that it's actually in is uh it's not everywhere. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to look up some of the locations for it. It is actually in Atlanta, Georgia, here in the United States. So it's in Atlanta, Georgia, Austin, Massachusetts, Chicago, Illinois, Portland, Oregon, San Francisco, California, Seattle, Washington, and New York, New York, and uh, Washington, DC. And then also in North America, it's in Vancouver, British Columbia, and it's in the Middle East and Africa. So uh, in Africa, it's in Johannesburg, South Africa. In the Middle East, it's in Dubai and uh, Dar es Salaam, and also in Nairobi, Kenya, which is in uh, Africa. So that is moving, M-O-O-V-N. So if you live in Atlanta, Boston, Chicago, Portland, San Francisco, Seattle, New York, Washington, D.C., Vancouver, or Dubai or Johannesburg or Nairobi, or Dar es Salaam, then you can use that service. Once again, I want to thank everyone that participated in this episode. Uh, 
want if you have any uh, questions or opinions or feedback please email me at zero to 100 pod at gmail.com that's the number zero t-o the number 100 p-o-d at gmail.com also follow me on twitter at wcw poet check out the blog which is zero to 100 dot blogspot.com so that's the number zero t-o the number one the word hundred dot blogspot.com and i want to let you guys know that another episode will be coming out soon it'll either be uh definitely this sunday or it could come out before then because i already have some stuff in the can and it's just a matter of piecing it together and presenting it and because i was so late in posting this episode i might get it out early so once again thank you for listening this has been the zero to 100 podcast episode 18 the black dollar we out i uh (laughs) i want to say a special thanks to bet my new family i can't wait to get started over there with our new shows thank you so much for this to scott and everybody over there thank you so much to viacom shari who's here bob everybody listen from my heart i want to say thank you i couldn't help but think about my mother sit down sit down sit down sit down (laughs) i couldn't help but think about my mother i remember being a kid about five years old she would take me into the projects with her when she played cards on friday nights with a bunch of women now these women didn't have more than a 12th grade education but they were smart black women they were powerful black women they had great stories to tell And I was a five-year-old kid sitting there on the floor playing with my matchbox cars, listening to them talk about their men, their relationships, and their pains. And when one of them would get really sad, another woman would come in and make a joke, and they'd all start laughing. I didn't know I was in a master class for my life. I would get home, and my father would be beating my mother and doing all kinds of things and saying all kinds of stuff to her, and he would leave the room, and I'd walk in, and I'd imitate one of those women, and she would start laughing. There was a power in that that I didn't really get until I got older. I remember being about 11, 12 years old on my way to my new school, and I got to this uh, intersection. I had to walk past pimps, prostitutes, walk through, literally walk through a graveyard, get to this intersection, six-lane intersection, and there was a man standing there saying, will someone help me cross? Will someone help me cross? And there were all of these people that kept passing by him and passing by him. I said, I'll help you cross. So he told me he was going to my school, and he was gonna sell candy there. That's how he made his living. So I helped him cross the street to get there. We became good friends. His name was Mr. Butler. That moment reminded me of my mother bringing her out of, laugh, out of pain into laughter to help her cross. My first 10 movies were all about her subconsciously, wanting her to know that she was worthy, wanting black women to know you're worthy, you're special, you're powerful, you're amazing. All of that was about helping across. When I started hiring people like Taraji and Viola Davis and Idris Elba, they couldn't get jobs in this town, but God blessed me to be in a position to be able to hire them. I was trying to help somebody cross. When I built my studio, I built it in a neighborhood that is one of the poorest black neighborhoods in Atlanta so that young black kids could see that a black man did that and they can do it too. I was trying to help somebody cross. That studio was once a Confederate army base, and I want you to hear this, which meant that there was Confederate soldiers on that base plotting and planning on how to keep 3.9 million Negroes enslaved. Now that land is owned by one Negro.
all about trying to help somebody cross. While everybody was fighting for a seat at the table, talking about Oscar so white, Oscar so white, I said, y'all go ahead and do that. But while you're fighting for a seat at the table, I'll be down in Atlanta building my own. Because, because what I know for sure is that if I could just build this table, God would prepare it for me in the presence of my enemies. Rather than being an icon, I want to be an inspiration. So thank you, BET, my new family. Thank you, everybody. I want you to hear this. Every dreamer in this room, there are people whose lives are tied into your dream. Own your stuff. Own your business. Own your way. God bless you. Thank you, BET. Thank you, Scott. I love you guys. Thank you.